0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us today as we continue to walk through the Gospel of Luke. We have a kind of rare occurrence here. We have a story written by one Gospel writer. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the story of Jesus, his power, his grace. His mercy. They all tell the same story. So it is rare when only one gospel writer tells a story. And today we have that. And it's about a tax collector named Zacchaeus. Now for some of you, you may be going, that rings a bell. I've, I've heard that before. If you grew up in or around the church, especially if you did so at a young age, you maybe heard the first six verses of our passage today In the form of a song, it's a preschool song, it's a VBS song. Uh, Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. I don't know if you earn points for hearing it or not, but the song goes like this: Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Is, Is this ringing any bells? He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in that tree and he said, Zacchaeus, and you're supposed to like put your hands on your hips then, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. And in that song, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. In that song, we have really our first six verses. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story, and it's one that I know very well because my office wall shares with the theater here in Oklahoma City, and we have a preschool that meets in there, and all the preschool songs, if you need to know any of them, I've got them down because I hear them on repeat all day long. So you come to me for anything you need to know about preschool worship music, but Today, we aren't talking preschool worship music. We are in the text, Luke chapter 19. We've gotten to Luke 19. This is incredible. Let's look at verse one. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. His intention was to pass through. He's 15 miles away from Jerusalem. He's heading to Jerusalem. He'll take his time getting there. But as he intended to pass through, this is interesting because what happens is, the healing of the two blind men that we talked about last week, the word had gotten out. And so the people who were on the journey to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, just like Jesus was, they all stopped. They wanted to see what was happening. So we have an occurrence here where the main street of Jerusalem, or I'm sorry, I keep saying Jericho, the main street of Jericho is lined with people because they hear that Jesus is coming through. And they want to see him. They want to experience what's going on. They want to see if there's going to be another healing. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people lined up on the main street of Jericho waiting for Jesus' arrival. And then he comes into town. Now there's one other person that's the key figure in this story, Zacchaeus. And he is despised by everyone on the street. He's despised by them all, but he too wants to see Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 2. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was very wealthy. Okay, so so that's what we have right now from Luke. He was the chief tax collector. He was very wealthy. As I said last week, it's rare. It's rare for someone to be named in the Bible, but yet Zacchaeus is, and he's a person of prominence in the community. His name would have been known by almost everyone because of his position, not just because of his wealth. He was no mere tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was upper management. When it came to revenue, he absolutely was the most powerful governmental authority of ever all of Jericho. And so to put that in perspective, think of it like this. If there was one person who came around on a regular basis to collect your income tax, your property tax, and your sales tax, if one person came around on a regular basis to you to collect that from you, and then that person could abuse their authority because they had soldiers standing behind them and say, Today, your property tax is this. Next week, it might be this. We don't know. If that existed today, you would despise that person. And that's who Zacchaeus was. That's who he was to all of those in Jericho who were lining the streets just wanting to see Jesus, but he wanted to see him also Zacchaeus would have had several other tax collectors underneath him, low-level people that had various differing assignments within the region. But in general, in general, all tax collectors were despised because they were thieves. They They were people who abused their power. They were incredibly dishonest with the power that they'd been given by the Roman government. And they were opportunistic. They were very opportunistic to pad their own pockets, taking more than what was asked and keeping the rest. So Rome said, I want you to tax this colony at this rate. They would up it by 3% and keep the extra and give whatever they were supposed to to Rome. It was a lucrative job if you could get it, but it didn't make you any friends at all. And the chief tax collector, he was in position to receive a portion of all that the tax collectors in that region received. So he was very, very rich. And we see that this man desired to see Jesus. A thief, a crook, a liar. He wanted Jesus for his own reasons. His power and his wealth didn't stop him from this. Verse three, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, He could not see over the crowd. So, shoulder to shoulder, lining the streets, he wants to see Jesus. He can't physically push his way through and he can't see over the tops of the heads of those who have the front row seat. He has a problem. I don't know for sure what drove this desire for Zacchaeus to see Jesus. Probably it was curiosity. But what drove that curiosity? Was Jesus just another guy? Was he a great teacher, a great rabbi? Was he a healer? Was he a leader of men? Or was he even maybe more than that? Was he really what some were saying? Was he really Lord? Was he the Messiah? Was he the son of God? It also could have been faith that was driving Zacchaeus. We, we don't see it here at this point in the story. We don't know if he had faith in Jesus, but it could have been faith that was driving him, causing him to long for more in this life, more than just wealth, more than just power. He knew he was missing something. I think that's angle that we should look at, especially as we sit here with more wealth than most of the world, more power than most of the world. Is, is there something missing from our life? And maybe that's Jesus. Maybe that's what caused Zacchaeus to find a solution to his problem, his vertical problem. He wasn't tall enough. Verse four, he ran ahead He climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him, to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. Zacchaeus found the only vantage point, and he started to climb. And there's going to be a picture pop up right now. And I want you to see this tree. And now, if you go visit what is Old Jericho, if you go to Tel Es Sultan right now, okay, and there's guides that will lead you around, they will take you to this location. They'll say, that's the actual tree that Zacchaeus climbed. But if you take another tour, they'll take you to another spot. Both trees probably aren't the actual tree, but they're 2,000 years old. They're sycamore fig trees okay? They're sycamore fig trees. That's interesting. We have sycamore trees in America, but we do not have sycamore fig trees. So they have the leaves of a sycamore tree, but they also bear fruit every year. And I've been told that that fruit tastes awful. The tree in the picture you just saw is about 60 feet tall, okay? That actual tree is about 60 feet tall. And if you look, I don't know how a short person or any person climbed that tree, But Zacchaeus somehow scrambled high enough up into that tree to be able to look over the crowd and see Jesus. Now, a person of that notoriety, a person of that prestige doesn't climb trees. I would be willing to say that most of you who are over the age of 16 haven't climbed a tree in a while. At 42, the thought of climbing up a tree and my fat rear breaking a branch and me falling to my death doesn't incite me at all. I'm not about that. So most of us are not willing to climb trees, but Zacchaeus was because he wanted to see Jesus. That's what he wanted to do and he was not going to be stopped. Look what happens next. Luke chapter 19, verses five and six. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up Because Zacchaeus had made it up into the tree. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down, climbed back down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. How did Jesus know his name? I've read this passage so many times, but that question jumped out at me. How did Jesus know his name? There's really only two options. One, Jesus is God. It's a divine thing. He knows the names of all of us. Or two, Zacchaeus was a prominent figure in the community and Jesus had heard of him. Maybe even met him before. We don't know. And I can't be certain. I have no idea how it really went down. But I would guess, this would be my guess, that it was a divine appointment. That God in heaven had orchestrated this whole thing for this one lost man to be met by his son Jesus. And if it is a divine appointment then it may be that Jesus knew exactly who he was talking with because he is the son of God and Zacchaeus is one of his children. That that may very well be the case. But there would not have been anyone in the crowd that day who is witnessing this who had lined the street in Jericho to see Jesus walk through. And when he stops and calls that guy out of the tree who wouldn't have thought, do you know who you're talking to? Do you realize who that is? That's the chief tax collector. You should not be talking to him. He's a criminal, a crook. He's a liar. And now you just said you got to go stay at his house? You must be deceived, Jesus. There's no way that you can come through this town and think that that is the one person that you want to have dinner with. Look at look at how many other options you have. Devout followers of Abraham and Moses and your heavenly Father, come on. You cannot possibly pick Zacchaeus. But Jesus does. I need I need to go to your house. I need to dine with the chief tax collector. And Zacchaeus obviously was thrilled by this and says, let's go. Let's let's head down the road. I'll take you straight to my home. Luke 19, verse 7. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He's gone to be a guest of a sinner. He's gone to the most hated person's house in our community. But Jesus in his ministry has never been worried about what the masses thought. He's always done what his heavenly father instructed him to do. And now maybe even more so as he is approaching the end of his ministry, as he's heading to Jerusalem to lay his life down on a cross, maybe even more so now he's going, hey, I came to seek and save the lost. And that guy right there, that guy that was up in that tree, that's the one that I want to become a fully devoted follower of me. And I can't think of a much better missional approach than to take the most despised person in a community, transform their life and then let them be a testimony of how powerfully God works in and through us. So we need to be careful how we look and how we judge people. Luke chapter 19, verse eight says this, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, this is at his house. Look, Lord, look. I, I know this is a special moment. I know this is special. So here's what I'm going to do. Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Half of everything I have, I'm just going to give it to the poor in the community. And if I've cheated anybody, and he's cheated a lot of people, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount. These are not arbitrary numbers. He's not just coming up with these off the top of his head. The Old Testament, in fact, prescribes a four times repayment for anything that you've stolen from someone else. And so Exodus chapter 22, verse one, whoever steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, you steal it, you make money for it, or you consume it, must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. And so Zacchaeus, obviously knowing the Old Testament, He picks the lesser, the four times repayment, but he still says, I'm going to pay back four times anyone I've stolen from. But also, I'm not just going to fulfill the law of Moses. No, I'm not just going to do that. I'm going to fulfill the New Testament law of love. And the law of love is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so his former victims are his neighbors. And he says, look, I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor. I'm going to try to love my neighbor and I'm going to give my wealth away to do that. James chapter two, verse eight says, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And by doing so, you are doing what is right. You're doing what is right. And Zacchaeus chose to do this. And look at Luke 19, verse nine. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. The house I'm eating in, the house that is surrounded by the people from the street that are muttering, how wrong I am for being here. Today, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham using a very Jewish term to say a child of God. This man is a child of God. We see Zacchaeus' actions, but Jesus sees the heart and declares him saved. What he has done, what the declaration that he has made is proof of his Faith and his faith is what has brought salvation to his house on this day. James chapter 2, verse 18 says, This show me your faith, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. So, the faith is what saves you, it's not the deeds, but faith without deeds is dead. There's something here, there's something powerful here. Zacchaeus's repentance. His repentance from the life that he has led for however long is to make retribution through generosity. His deeds are not what save him though. It's the faith that caused him to do this, to pay back four times those that he he has robbed and give half of his wealth away. He did this because of his faith, not to earn his way into heaven because there's no way to do that. And we're reminded of the rich young ruler from just a few weeks ago, in our passage, who was told the one thing you've got to do is sell everything you have and give it to the poor? And he said, I can't do that. I can't do that. And he walked away sad. Zacchaeus did this because of his heart for Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 is the theme verse for the Gospel of Luke. All of the commentators agree. The Gospel of Luke is written to highlight this. And now we finally get to it. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what Luke wants to highlight. And it's maybe, maybe just why Luke is the only one who puts this story in. Because this story is about seeking and saving the lost. Jesus wants the lost to be found. He knows that. Even if they're 20 feet up in a tree, he will seek them out, he will find them, and he wants them to be found. Jesus came to heal the sick, of course. He came to set the captives free. Yes, he is the Messiah. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he came to seek and to save the lost. Whether they are down and outers, like the two blind beggars from last week, or whether they are up and outers, like Zacchaeus. Top of the social pecking order, but lost, still the same. Regardless of where you are in that paradigm, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He will never, ever be afraid or ashamed to come into your house. And I need you to know that. No matter how wrecked your home is, Jesus will never be afraid to come into your home. He will not care what others think of you. That does not determine how he sees you because he created you and he made you for a great purpose. He will seek you where you're at and he will find you if you are lost. If you think way back to Luke chapter 15, those three parables there, ending with the lost sheep and the prodigal son and the lost coins, we see these three parables where Jesus is willing to leave other things behind to go seek and to save that which is lost. The only question really is today, church, how will you respond? How will you respond to this? This passage, this passage, it shows us three things about how Jesus desires you. Number one, it shows that he knows your name. He knows your name because he created you. Zacchaeus, you come down. Come on, man. You're not a stranger to me. I know everything about you. You come on down. I need to go to your house. He knows you. He knows you by name. He wants and he calls you into relationship with him. I want to enter into your life, into your world. I'm not going to ask you to come into mine. For so many centuries, the church has said, come to us. Come fill our pews When in reality, Jesus says, I'm going to go find those who are lost. Maybe we need to think about that a little bit. And then finally, he wants to be a part of your life. And what we see in this passage is, I need to stay at your house. I don't have to have you to complete my mission. But I want you. I want to have a relationship with you and I want you to devote your life to what I'm trying to accomplish. And if you choose to do that, then we will do great things together. We see this in this microcosm of Zacchaeus' life. Jesus called him and Zacchaeus responded. And he did so very well, possibly laying out kind of a template for how we should respond. So my question to you as we finish today is, Is Jesus calling you into relationship with him? Is he calling you down out of that tree? Is he calling you by name into a faith-filled relationship with him? Is he calling you to surrender your life in service to his mission? And if he is doing so, then how will you respond? Father, I ask that today through your truth and your word, that those who hear this message will be moved into relationship with you. They will be given hope and life. And God, I pray that for those who are distant, for those who feel unworthy, you would just wrap your arms around them. You would pour out your grace upon them. And God, that they would be moved by you, that you would bring them into relationship with you and that their lives be transformed from the inside out for all eternity. God, only you can do that. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.